I was changing hats a lot because I was trying to figure out who am I? Um, just recently, I decided I just want to be really focused on the core of who I want to be in this world and who has evolved. Welcome to the Audacious Founder Podcast. This is a podcast for entrepreneurial women. It's going to help you build confidence, obliterate mental blocks, gain knowledge, and harness the audacity to start your business, grow your business, or just start living your life with a whole lot more fucking audacity than you have been. My name's Melissa Manning. I've founded and co-founded more than 13 businesses in 10 years, and I've got more than 45,000 hours of business operating experience that I want to share with you. And I am here to A, learn more because we're never effing done, and B, get you to a new level, a new audacious level. So let's get into it. for being here and letting me interview you today about identity. Hi, Mel. Deb is my longtime friend now that I met in this amazing workshop. Deb, are you still working with him, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm still doing the story coaching and storytelling work with um, fearless communicators. Yes. Yes. Part-time. Part-time. Because full-time you are a grief coach. Well, I was. Oh, you're not doing that anymore. No, as of just recently. Okay, so is this part of the, Yeah, <laughs> part, it may come out in the conversation we have today. Yeah. You, you are somebody who helps people tap into their magic, yes. heal, transform, and expand? Yes, exactly. Yes. Great. So that might be your identity as of right now? It's absolutely always been a part of my identity. But at the moment, I've been I've made some clear decisions around just claiming that as my core identity, rather than saying, "Well, I'm this, 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 and this." I just found that in terms of identity, depending on where I was or who I was turning up in front of or who I was communicating with, I would have a, like different hats that I would put on with my identity, right, with who I was to that person. And um, just recently, I decided I just want to be really focused on the core of who I want to be in this world and who has evolved at this moment in my life to be in this world, which is a like an intuitive spiritual guide and a moon witch. A moon witch, I love that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so this is so, this is kind of exactly this evolution, this fluidity, this sort of constant fluctuation of who we are, but not really because like you said, you've always been this right? Yeah. But it's this evolution of knowing, of being in touch with these parts of ourselves. And it's like, as we go every year, every month, every day, we might learn a touch more about what our core identity is. And I think it's also mixed in with not only knowing what our core identity is, but also giving ourselves permission to turn up in that way. Permission. And not having to say, yeah, but, or only on Sundays, but just to, to claim it as actually this is who I am. Or only around certain people. Because yes. you mentioned that, right? When you're with this person, you wear this hat. When you're yeah. with that person, different one. And it's like giving yourself permission, allowing yourself to be that core you. Yeah. In every moment. Yeah. Way easier said than done. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's taken a few years, you know, like proud 47 edging towards 48 like it's 
it's been a 40 plus year journey in in getting to this place where yes I can be and I am many things in this world but essentially I'm a witch I love that I want to be a witch too (laughs) you can join the tribe I want to join the tribe send me the link man (laughs) so I I'm kind of on this journey of exploring identity because like I've talked to you before about before COVID happened I owned a couple different businesses and I was in my mind this serial entrepreneur who was always busy always doing things always hustling and I was building this empire I was in the process and so when COVID happened a couple months into it, probably halfway through it, I decided that I was going to walk away from a lot of these things and focus on coaching because I felt in that moment, like it was something that fulfilled me a lot more than the other things did. But in so doing, I am starting over and in the starting over, it feels like I had left the me that I knew. And I'm now creating a new me that I haven't found all those pieces yet. So I'm still, I'm trying to excavate them. I'm trying to pull them out and figure out what my core identity is. And so I'm just, I want to um, just learn and explore and talk about this more and see how other people have gone through their journeys in relationship to their identity. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm just curious, like if you were to think about it and it's probably because so often I don't think we think about ourselves this way. I think we just are how we are in each moment of our lives. But so if you had to guess how many identities, different identities do you think that you've had over your lifetime? Oh, there'd be many. There would absolutely be many. I'm thinking of like the teenage years. <laughs> yeah, and even like, yeah, younger and then teenage years. And then particularly, I think, in the 20s, like mm-hmm. I was changing hats a lot in the 20s because I was trying to figure out who am I, you know, away from my family, like starting to explore beyond like classic defined education, what was I going to put out into the world? And, and there was more than one thing that I wanted and more than one thing that I was working on. So I don't know, I've never gone through the process of counting them. That might be a little bit Impossible. Uh, nauseating, you know, when you think <laughs> of like, who, how many people have I kissed and you start making that list and you're just like, oh, no, it's too many people. Um, same with maybe identity because I think there has, for me, there has been a definitely a process on knowing who I am but also only now in the last few years giving myself permission to just just be that person with no but or what if or only on Sundays yeah shame and also I think not so much shame for me for me it was fear Mm -hmm. for me it was yeah fear and yeah probably a bit of shame and other things thrown in there too because fear and shame like to hang out with some other emotions and have a little party of their own Mm -hmm. but yeah depressing party (laughs) yeah and I think you know sometimes our identities are um, are what other people want us to be and sometimes they're not you know like my my identity as an intuitive I I didn't know that that was my identity when I was little it just was how I was you know mm-hmm. and I grew up in a church community where people did believe in you know spirit and God but it was like held in God's hands not in ours right and um 
Now, I didn't understand any of that when I was little. And when I would get intuitive messages and just be passing them on, because I thought that's what you did, it was scary to the people around me, you know. And, um, and so I received the message that that was, that no. wasn't right. I shouldn't be doing that. It's, you know, and I, and I don't have any like particular bad moment, you know, this particular day kind of thing. But I do remember as a little kid asking my spirit friends to go away because they were getting me in trouble. So, you know, and the memory is about, I'm about three or four. And I was really sad because I didn't want my intuitive friends to leave. Right. Because they were, you know, they were friends I'd known and a part of me and a part of my identity that I wasn't even claiming identity then. But I just and also when you're a kid, that kind of thing is normal. Yeah. And you're I just, I wanted to be accepted. Like I wanted to be like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I knew that, that this core part of me wasn't like everybody else. And for some reason it was scary to other people or they wanted me to stop it. And so I did. And so it took a long time to reclaim. That was my question, my next question. When did you invite them back in? I think I, I invited them back in probably the first time was when I'd left left home and went to university. And I was, you know, living in a share house with my friends, studying theatre, meeting all these different people. And I think that's also a time for everybody when they leave like their core foundation where they grew up, uh -huh. you get to shift to a new chapter in your life where you get to decide who you are outside of the family unit. Outside of the eyes watching you and the rules. Yeah, and the rules. And also just there's there's energetic patterns that are set in families. You know, like where in my family, rather than being the intuitive one, I was seen as the intelligent one. I was seen as really smart. So okay. I had to, you know, I was pushed towards doing more academic things, which, of course, I revolted against and did theatre instead. Um, you know, and then it was in second year university, where I, um, I, I can't remember if they were given to me. I think I bought them for myself. I got a deck of tarot cards and started learning about cards and, and reading cards for my friends. And, and so it was that, that was the first like tap back into any type of spiritual practice away from the, away from church or religion or anything else. And it just kind of like, erupted again from there I would have been 19 going on 20 so that that's interesting so whatever caused you to buy those cards was I mean maybe it was spirit right yeah and maybe. you started you started listening again yeah and it yeah. was and it started realizing that I was good at it that I could hold the space for people and that I could interpret the cards and I could like and this wasn't immediate like this took time to to learn yeah. and um, and to build my confidence in it, but not only was was it something that I I could do, but it was something that when I was doing it, I I felt like my authentic self. Right. How would you explain that feeling? That feeling of like touching something that is authentic to you. Yeah, for me, like I don't know if I felt this like when I was twenty twenty one, mm. um, but now for me, I explain it in terms of like. It feels like my earthbound and my soul self come together and they're just absolutely playing together um, so that it's, I don't have to, I don't have to try to fit anywhere. I just naturally flow there. 
so it's like there's a um there's an ease right in it you know like when I'm like now because I read people's cards now like when I'm reading people's cards I'm not looking at the time I'm not thinking about anything else in the world it's just like a slipstream you know so it's just yeah. kind of like you go into um into it's a really comfortable place to be because I'm not trying to hide any part of myself or minimize any part of myself or make any part of me bigger than anything else in order to be accepted or to be liked. It just is. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's how I feel when I'm doing coaching or when, honestly, even just when we're having conversations like this, mm. when I'm having conversations that have to do with maybe personal development, growth, possibilities, um, spirituality, capabilities like when I when I talk to women about just the power of femininity the power that women have that's yeah. how I feel I feel like everything else disappears and I could just do this forever yeah yeah because yeah. I think our identity like our core identity I think it's connected to not only like what's at surface to us in this life because I think like what's it what's at surface to us in this life is like, what have we come here to learn or expand or work on, right? Yeah. But it's also connected to what in this life are we at service to others for? Right, right. You know, when we're actually tuned into our identity and in that authentic voice and in that sense of service, then we are actually at service to the world in terms of giving, giving our gifts away. Yes. But we're, I feel like we are taught to ignore that. Like when we're very young, we're there. We're in that place. Yeah. If, if, you know, if our environment allows us to be, you know, if we're in a safe, secure environment, that's where we're at. Identity wise, we are in touch with that. And then we start going to school and we start having to follow the rules. And then I feel like we don't start asking those questions again, maybe until the time that, you know, like how you said you went to college and that's when you started maybe hearing those whispers again or started following what felt yeah. good to you because you had the space. And also that. you are asked by the world, what are you going to do? Like, who are you? You're given a set of options. Yeah, true, 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 true. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pick, pick from, the, you've got five options here. What are yeah. you going to do? Are yeah. you going to be a construction worker, a doctor? Maybe you could be an eye doctor. Yeah. But nobody says, do you want to be, you know, a, a energy healer? Do you want to be a spiritual guide? Do you want to help people start their own businesses? You know, like nobody says these, yeah. these other things. Do you want to help people learn more about themselves and go deeper into their purpose, right? Like nobody, it's a set um, amount of identities that are approved and you can choose from those in general. And some of those are safer than others. Mm -hmm. You know, like I was, I was, and I still am interested in like um, theatre and expression and creativity. And so I chose to to study theatre. Okay. Um, but when I was going from high school into university, I couldn't understand how I would be a theatre practitioner in the world. Like I had no one around me. I was in a small town in Australia and I had no one around me that was, was doing that work. I couldn't see the potential of it. And mm -hmm. so I signed up for the Bachelor of Education Theatre. Okay. So I minimised myself there by saying, oh, well, I'll be a teacher. I'll be a theatre teacher. 
because I can understand that job. I'll work in a high school as a theatre teacher. Now, this wasn't, my heart wasn't singing, but it was like me trying to understand myself and understand the world. Right. And then within the first year of university, I was like, I'm not doing this. I don't want to go back to high school. I don't want to be a high school teacher. This is not what I wanted to do. And when I was at university and I saw all the ways that people were making theatre and art, I realised, oh, I want to, I want to use theatre as an applied tool to help and be at service. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, within the first year, I then switched to, to getting out of teaching and into the main Bachelor of Arts thing. But that in itself was a process of me figuring out. And then when I was there, I was like, well, what do I want to do now? Mm-hmm. You know, so it was still, still this process of figuring it out and letting it unravel right. to what all the possibilities were. So one of the things that I was wondering is like, what causes an identity to morph into the next version of it, right? So like what happens or, or what causes, you know, you have this hat on and then you say, you know what, mm, this hat, it's not the right one. And you toss that to the side and then you move into the next one. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is there is a natural evolution. Mm-hmm. So our own curiosity in ourselves and what's possible for ourselves and what we can be at service to, I think, evolves. So that and that and that you'll see in people's identity where an identity doesn't necessarily change, but it just deepens and, and widens. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes our identity changes just simply because we we are actually seeking something for ourselves. Because again, like I think our identity is at service to ourselves as well as at service to what we're doing in the world. Yeah. And so when when the, the stage of life that we're at or what we're trying to create shifts, then the identity shifts Okay. in response to it. And sometimes some identities, they, they, I think they just run their course. Like you've, you've learned everything you need to in that part and then you either end up bored or frustrated or you don't necessarily think about letting go of that identity. It's more that something else grabs your attention and you go to grab something else and then it shifts. Yeah. I almost feel like identity can be a costume. I mean, we keep calling it a hat, but I, yeah, it's like a costume. It's like, okay, let me try this costume on. Yeah. And see if I enjoy this and I want to keep wearing this costume. And then if this costume isn't right, let me try this other one and see if that feels right. Yeah, and sometimes we decide and sometimes I think the universe decides for us. Mm-hmm. So like you said oh. at the beginning that I was a, a grief guide, uh-huh. which is true up until last month, right? Mm-hmm. And in the middle of COVID, so in, um, in April of last year, as somebody who was a grief guide, I realised that there were so many people across the world that were going to be maybe for the first time touching the edges of grief like they were either losing someone or losing a job or losing identity based on the whole world shifting but there was a lot of loss right so last may i opened up what i called moments in may which was 30 minute zoom sessions for anyone who wanted it to come and sit with me so and i would sit with their grief okay. and it was it was just like an open offering for the whole month of may and i put various slots in my calendar and they all filled up and most of the people, like more than 50% of the people who arrived on my Zoom screen for their moment in May, I didn't know who they were. 
Um, and I, I really didn't have a lot of expectations. I was completely at service to holding space for other people's grief. Yes. But the thing I found in that month was more than 75% of the people who turned up for a moment in May didn't ask me about grief. They asked me about magic. Hmm. They wanted to know like things like I've always thought I should meditate. Now, I guess, should I start now? Or is that going to help me? Because I'm feeling anxious. Um, I don't really know much about the universe. What does the universe say about this COVID stuff? Is there some meaning here? Um, are angels real? I heard you read Oracle cards. Can you pull a card for me? Like these were the types of things that people were coming coming with and when they're arriving on the Zoom. And so in that month of May, I turned up on the 1st of May as a grief guide. And by the end of May, it was very clear that what the world was asking of me was me to step into my full witch. Okay. Because when I opened the space, the space was filled by people asking me about magic. Right. So I was like, you if I'm listening. Them basically what they wanted. I mean. Yeah, I was I like, I'll hold space for you. I will hold space for you. And I'd made the assumption that that space was like I would be at service to grief. And for some people I was, absolutely I was. Okay. Um, but for most people, that's not what they want. That's not how they wanted to connect to me. So in response to that, that's when I just went enough of the only on some days be the witch or only in some circles be the witch. It's time now to be the witch. The universe like, told you, exactly. Yeah. And so that, so it was like, it came to me, even though I'd known it the whole time. Yeah. You always it know it, like, right? You always yeah. know it. Yeah. There was just a clear message from the universe. It was like, now's the time. You step into the light now. Yeah. Or, or spend the rest of your life one step away from the core of who you are. Yeah. Just standing on the edge, looking in. Yeah. Yeah, that's a perfect example of how, as you said before, that sometimes it's not an actual choice. I mean, you had to make the choice after you were given all of the information, all of the clues, after you were given the uh, sort of instructions, right? Mm -hmm. Then you have to choose to accept or deny. And yeah. obviously you chose to accept. So that's, that's really interesting. I guess it comes down to listening to the signs, right? Listening to the signs and seeing how they resonate with yeah. you. And sometimes those signs are telling you to let go too. So yeah. like the, the you know, cause I, I, I stepped into the magic, but I also kept the identity as a grief guide and, and still felt connected to wanting to be at service in that way. Um, but in, in the recent months, the very clear indication that I have is that no, the identity of the witch and the work I do with big life magic needs more space so I need to clear some space and so it wasn't an easy thing to do mm -hmm. but I did make the decision to let go of the identity as a grief guide okay just to, to bring more space to that core identity that also is reminding me of you know in my own situation of with my businesses and deciding to walk away from those and how I feel like it's difficult for me to say that I am a serial entrepreneur when I am not actively serial entrepreneuring. When I'm focusing on one thing, it's hard for me to, you know, to feel like I'm abiding by that identity. But it doesn't have to be like that. It's like just because I'm not doing 
those actions anymore doesn't mean those actions are not still inside of me. So for example, just because you're not doing grief coaching anymore doesn't mean everything you learned and had from all of those experiences. It's just a buildup. It's a continuous buildup to the core, to that main source of what you are, as opposed to I'm not this, I'm this. Like you said, you can be many things. Mm. It's allowing you to be better at being that full version of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Because my grief, my work with grief transformation absolutely informs my work with magic. 100%. Like when I began to work with my own grief and then with other people's grief, my understanding of magic and spiritual practice completely deepened, widened, expanded. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's it's definitely informed. A part of my decision to, to minimise the many identities and, and step fully into the identity as a witch was because of, for me, I wanted to give myself finally permission to just be that without the what ifs or the buts or only on Sundays, but just to step fully into that for myself and also to be able to be clear with the world, with who I am. So the people who do need me, who I will teach or who I will help, they'll be able to find me easily mm-hmm. because I'm really clearly that. That's, ooh, this is such a good, I keep saying this is a perfect example, <laughs> but this is so interesting too, because I have been coaching since 2017, but I really never made it my priority until 2020. In 2020, now making it my priority, does this brand resonate? The brand that I had created in 2017 as sort of just this side hustle, this side hobby, does what I created then resonate with me now? Is that who I am and what I'm offering now? And no, it wasn't. So in 2020, I had to rebrand. But the problem with rebranding is that just like identity, it's an evolution. Every day it changes. The more you do, the more you talk to people, the more you hone your craft, the more what you are offering changes until you get to that core identity, right? So um, it's the same thing as a brand, right? You have to keep doing it every day and notice how, notice the little signs and the little redirects that are happening so that you can start to get even more clear on what you're offering to your clientele so that you can serve that much better. Yeah. That's what I'm, I'm still going through that. I think I'm still trying to figure out, am I focusing only on helping people, women start businesses or am I helping them with mindset or am I helping them with, you know, am I doing life coaching sort of like how you were, you know, you were offering grief and they came and they wanted to talk about all this. When I say I'm coaching on business, oftentimes it ends up being mindset and personal things, things that are coming up that we have to work through. So, and then taking that and then putting it into your brand, getting more clear and more precise on what exactly you're offering, what your gift is. Is my gift helping people start businesses or is it helping them get really clear on what they want, whether it's a business or something else? And I think the the thing about our identity is is that we're always trying to find it, Mm. whereas I think other people see it. Oh, agreed. You know, that's because that's what they're drawn to us for, you know, like when, um, when my son...
Sorry to cut this short, but don't worry, there is more. This is just part one of a two-part interview with Deb. So if you liked this one, you're definitely gonna like the next one. In the next one, she tells me about how her son was able to see her magic when he was just four years old. Which reminds me that when we're kids, we are so much more connected to our core identity. We talk about how sometimes identities are transforming, what a soul print is, and Deb shares three mantras for staying in a loving state. If you want to connect with Deb, hang tight. Her information is going to be at the end of part two. If you haven't already, please like this episode, share it with a friend, and subscribe to the Audacious Founder Podcast.